Good morning, church. Um, I am excited to begin a new series today. It's called The Benefits of Being Stuck. The Benefits of Being Stuck. I know a lot of you are thinking, wait, I need to get unstuck. I, I hear you, but there are some benefits that I want to talk to you today about being stuck. Before we get to that, though, I'm going to ask you to take out your cell phone your cellular phone, that thing that uh, tracks everything you want when you're speaking to someone else and then an ad pops up and you think, how did they know? Take out your phone, go to Facebook if you have a Facebook account and share the church stream if you've not yet done that. Um, In addition, there are people online right now that are watching that you could give a shout out to. Um, We have so many, the Alvarados are watching, Sierra Rawlinson. Marie Rains is watching, Christopher McDaniels, LaVita, who is recovering right now from knee surgery. Um, so she's watching. She is in church and in pain. And so we just say, we're glad you're watching. We, we talked to her uh, yesterday, and she said, it's the weirdest thing to not be able to trust your knee. You know, I mean, have you ever knees, knees? She did both knees. I know, it's ridiculous. Um, but... Have you ever thought about that, to be able to look down at your knees and think, I can't trust you right now? So when, when she told us that, I thought, wow, man, she definitely needs prayer. She's doing well, though. She's not in a lot of pain. Anyway, Levita, we're glad that um, you're recovering well. We love you. We're glad that you're watching. We hope that Murphy is taking good care of you. I hope, Murphy, that you are cooking three solid meals a day for your bride. You're bringing her flowers at least twice a day. Murphy, that's what I would do. If my wife, just kidding, I don't want to commit to that. <clears throat> anyway, so many people are watching. If you want to jump on there, just give a quick shout out and then share the stream. That's the way that you evangelize to your friends as you let them know that there is an option this morning where they're at to watch church. Um, anyway, after you do that, please jump back into being present here because this sermon is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Now, the big idea of this series is um, that, first of all, we often feel stuck in our own lives in one way or another. We hate our job. We feel stressed by our schedules. Or we're in a particular situation that we want to get out of, right? Uh, The waiting for the next thing seems to be endless, but the Lord has a plan, and his time is always perfect. Can I get a good amen? You know, if we're being honest... Most of us don't like waiting. I mean, Chick-fil-A drive through is too long for us. That's insane. There's no drive through quicker than Chick-fil-A. But for some of us, you know, we pull up to the two-lane Chick-fil-A, and you're even trying to navigate which lane is quicker. They're both quick. Enjoy the waiting, right? We don't enjoy waiting. The worst kind of waiting, though, if I'm being honest with you right now, is waiting on God. I mean, it's bad to wait on my wife. It's bad to wait on my kids. It's bad to wait on my dogs that won't come in the back, you know, from the backyard when I'm ready to leave. That, that's bad, but the worst kind of waiting is waiting on God. That is the most difficult place to be when you're in a hurry for something to happen and God isn't. Have you ever been there? You, you just knew that 
He had your back. He was going to take care of it. And it was going to be on the schedule and the timeline that you needed him to show up. And then it didn't seem that he showed up. At least not the way you wanted. Not the way you expected. Not the way you had envisioned in your mind that the script was supposed to go. God, where are you? These are crazy times to be waiting on God. We don't like the waiting room. But isn't it amazing that the Bible says so much about waiting? You ever thought about that? You should do a Google search on waiting scriptures. If you have trouble waiting, go ahead and take an index card, write one scripture per index card, put it on your bathroom mirror, and every morning when you're brushing your teeth for three minutes, memorize that verse. Because the Bible says a lot about waiting. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 135, 6, verses 5 and 6 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning, my soul waits. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Isaiah 40, 31. You probably know this one or have heard it in the past. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. <clears throat> they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And many of us are like, okay, God, I'm tired of fainting. Like it says, I won't be weary, but this feels pretty weary. Okay, I'm ready to fly. Push me out of the nest, God, I trust you. Just let me, let me grow those wings and let me, let me fly. And God is saying, sit a little longer and wait. When God doesn't answer like we want, when we want, what kind of conclusions do you come to? Has he forgotten me? Can he hear me? Did I ask the wrong way? Have I done something wrong? Does God care about me? Does God still perform miracles today? And the, the, the favorite of all is There's a story in scripture I want to take you to, 1 Samuel, that is an excellent story of someone that is having to wait and the pain that they endure in their waiting. It's the story of Elkanah. He had two wives. Elkanah's two wives is Peninnah and Hannah. Peninnah and Hannah. I want to start in verse 4. Verse 4, we're going to pick up our story. Whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering... He would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. Hannah's his other wife, give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, the other wife, also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Can you picture with me this morning, there is a man with two wives. No. 
That was perfect. How that timing was grand. A man with two wives, one wife had kids, one wife desperately longed for kids, and it says the Lord had closed her womb. She was unable to have kids. And he gives Hannah, the one who can't have kids, a double portion because he really loved, he loved Hannah a lot. And he gave the other wife and the sons and daughters their portion, and they went up. And the wife with all the kids would kind of heckle, poke and prod, make fun of the wife that had no kids. So Hannah would sit down and she would cry in verse 8. The husband said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Here the husband is doing the classic husband thing, right? Do you really need that? Am I not enough? You know, and all the wives are like, yes, he's tried it, and no, he's not. (laughs) Verse 9, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. This is Hannah who cannot conceive bitterness of soul, it says. She wept in anguish. I hope I'm painting a pretty distraught picture for you today of a person in waiting. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli... Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put away your wine. Put your wine away from you. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. He knew Hannah. They were intimate in that moment after returning from worship. And the Lord remembered her. All of this time trying to conceive, praying in anguish, distraught, distressed soul. She makes a vow. The Lord hears it. And the Lord remembers her. Her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, because, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. So the story goes on, if you read in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah decides to wean Samuel from breast milk, and after she weans Samuel, she's going to take him to the priest, to Eli, and let her little baby live with Eli 
so that he can be raised to be a priest. That, that's a pretty intense vow, right? God, give me the desire of my heart that I've been longing for for decades. And when you finally do, I'll drop it off at the temple and leave it forever. That's, that's intense. And that's exactly what she did in 1 Samuel verse 26 and 28. She said, she shows back up at the temple, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. Hannah felt stuck. We can see in the story just how distressing it is to be stuck. If, if you're stuck today, know that you're in good company. You're not the only person that's ever been stuck. You're not the only person that's had a dream, had a desire, had a need, and you've longed for it, and you've prayed for it, and you've cried about it, and you've lost sleep over it. You've had anxiety and depression over it. You're not the only one. And I know that doesn't ease the pain, and that doesn't make it better. But Mark Twain got stuck when writing The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Einstein got stuck when developing the general theory of relativity. Martin Luther got stuck trying to grasp the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Even the Apostle Paul got stuck on his missionary journeys. We all hate being stuck. Some of you can be stuck and be holy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's okay, just waiting on the Lord. That's not me. And I don't even think that's really them. I think that's the show them, you know what I mean? When they're on the stage, it's all right, God's got this. I'm like, God, do you have this? You know, are you with me? When, when you get really stuck. Now, I'm not talking about the red lights lasting too long. Okay, I, I'm no longer talking about your Chick-fil-A order. I'm talking about that relationship that you have been praying for reconciliation for years and you don't see anything coming about. I'm praying about that loved one who is lost in addiction and you have been on your knees praying for them to be set free and you haven't seen it come about, but you are still holding on and you're praying for their deliverance. I'm talking about big life issues. We all hate being stuck, but it happens to everyone. I suppose the encouraging and surprising truth that I want to share with us today is it's okay to be stuck. It's okay to be stuck. Hear me, I'm going to speak to your soul this morning. It's okay to be stuck. Because when we get stuck, that means we're doing important things. Easy things don't get stuck. Simple things don't get stuck. Huge, massive, destiny-driven, life-altering, transformational things get stuck. It's okay to be stuck. God meets us where we are when we're stuck. In fact, it's when we are stuck that he often meets us most deeply. It's when we are stuck that we find him most visible in the situation. 
So the introduction of Hannah and Pen and I, the two wives, in the beginning, it immediately lets the reader know that they're at odds. Hannah is the beloved one, but the other wife is the one that produces offspring. And that poses a problem. That poses a problem for Hannah, at least. And at her most desperate and anguish point, Hannah turns to God in prayer. Her anguish is brought on by infertility, an issue that still plagues this world today. The last estimate that I looked at could be way off. It's been a while, but approximately 10% of the population struggles with infertility. It's a very real, challenging problem. Feeling stuck. Wondering, what what is the Lord going to do? How is he going to turn this around for my good? Hannah turned her sorrow and deepest desires over to the Lord. She trusted God with her hopes and her dreams, her wants, her disappointments, her emotions. Hannah shows us that we can honestly express our desires to the Lord. Now, I want to give you three tips in my remaining time. I want, I want to give you three tips today for the waiting. Next week, we're going to dive deeper into the waiting and, and how to make it beneficial for you. But this is just a high overview of the waiting. And I, I hope the Lord can use it this week for you. But the first tip that I want to give you is be honest with yourself and God. Be honest with yourself and God. You know, the biggest problem, I think, in being stuck is we deny that we're stuck. We act like we're movers and shakers. Our culture isn't very forgiving for people. They want to be movers and shakers, but are stuck. So we manufacture movement to make it look like we're making progress. We need to be honest with ourselves. When we're stuck, we're stuck. Be honest that you're stuck, Chase. Just admit it. Admit it, Ryan, that you're stuck. It's okay to be. There is no shame in being stuck. It's just a temporary condition. But we adopt stuck, and we make it our character sketch and who we are. And I'm worthless because I'm stuck. Listen to me. Faith does not deny pain. We, we could lie to ourselves and say we're not stuck, even though we are. We, things are great. God is good, blah, 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 blah. But if we would just be honest that we're stuck. You see, faith, if I have a headache, faith is not me coming to you. If you say, hey, Trey, how are you? How's your head? Because you knew I'd been sick or whatever. Faith doesn't say, oh, my headache is gone. Have you ever known someone that won't admit they're sick? Because they think that it's faith to declare the opposite. Faith doesn't deny the pain. Faith declares the opportunity in the pain. And there is a big difference. It is all right to say, I am really struggling right now. I am really hurting. I am really stuck. But God has moved me forward before he can do it again. God has shown up before he'll show up again. I know I don't feel him. I know I don't see him. That's, that's reality. That's, 
faith can actually work in reality. Too often we create a false reality and God doesn't move in false realities. God can't heal who you pretend to be. So we have to be honest with ourselves, and we have to be honest with God. Sometimes faith doesn't look pretty. Many of the people in scripture that had to wait did not suppress their pain and put on a happy face. And I'm really happy, or I'm really grateful that Hannah, the story of Hannah, shows her falling apart at the temple. I'm grateful that we have examples in scripture of people who stood in faith and it didn't look pretty. Because that gives me permission to not always look pretty. I mean, my goal is not ever to look pretty, but you know what I mean. I like to be handsome. I like my emotions to be put together. I, I like my thoughts to be coherent and in control of my emotions. But, but sometimes I need to realize that just because I'm falling apart doesn't mean that my faith is. We have to process the pain in verse 5. We read that the infertility occurred because the Lord had closed her womb. And in verse 19, we read that the Lord remembered her. And, and perhaps these two phrases seem flippant or cruel. But what they really are trying to convey to us all is that from the beginning, God had a plan. In every situation, his timing is perfect. Samuel needed to be born at a specific time in history, not sooner, not later. He needed for Hannah to be at a place where she was willing to allow Samuel to be brought up by Eli, the priest, and be raised as a priest so that Samuel could fulfill his destiny. Listen, I know that you trust God, but my question to you is do you trust God's timing? Because there's a difference. There's a difference between trusting God and trusting God's timing. So the point number two to help you in the waiting today is this. I need you to realize that time is on your side. Can I get an amen from somebody? Time is on your side. Listen, God lives outside of time. God doesn't need more time ever to bring your miracle. He's not waiting on time one bit. You are. And the good thing is time is on your side. Because if you're having to wait for something, I guarantee you it's for your good. I know you want that sparkly thing now, but if you had it now, you couldn't manage it. You wouldn't steward it well now. And so God is building something inside of you so that when it arrives, you are prepared for the arrival of that thing you've been waiting for. Time is on your side. Now, in our age of instant gratification, when we go through times of waiting, it may feel like God is late. But God does not operate on our time. At every moment of the day, God is working his divine plan. Even if we are unaware of him moving in our midst, 
And in our natural human impatience, at times it may seem like God is late. But he always provides what we need when we need it. He may stretch us and challenge us to rely more fully on him by trusting not just him, but his timing. Waiting plays such a redemptive role in the life of man. God makes us wait, but not arbitrarily. I know when we're waiting, it we can't see the process. We can't see that he's working things for our good. We can't see the ultimate chess player moving the pieces on the board of our life. But waiting is not arbitrary. There's always purpose. So my third point for you today, my final point, in the waiting, I've suggested to you that you be honest with yourself and with God. I've suggested that you realize time is on your side. Now the one that's not quite so fun, take inventory. What do you need for your miracle? Are you actually waiting on God or is God waiting on you? What a shame it would be if we were waiting on God to say something while he had been waiting on us to do something. So in take inventory, I suggest that if you don't see God moving, if you don't hear God speaking, go to the very last thing you recall him saying. And then ask yourself if you did what he needed you to do at the step now minus one. Did you do the last thing he told you? Is God waiting on you? What's in your hand? What's at your table? What's in your cupboard? And have you used it all for his glory? And if yes, continue to wait, understanding that there's purpose in the waiting. You know, I'm excited about what we're starting in a couple of weeks. Sherry Bro, I think, is going to come to platform and explain it to you. But I think financially, so many of us are in a, in a waiting period, wondering how God is going to show up for this, how he's going to show up for that. And many of us even are saying or thinking or feeling things like, God, we're giving you our 10%. Like we're being faithful in the tithe. Where are you? But I want us to all remember and to know that stewardship doesn't stop at 10%. It stops at 100%. And so during this season of, of COVID and job loss and job transitions and economic instability, one thing that is on our heart as a church is to really empower you to move beyond the 10% and, and allow God to help you manage the 90%. What does God want you to do with the 90%. So we're starting the app groups. They're going to be online and in per person. Sherry's going to talk more about it. But the app group, AP, Awaken Prosperity, we're going to spend the next several weeks together in groups, just hearing from the Lord on our finances so that he can do what he wants to do through us for his kingdom. 
if you need a financial miracle and you've been waiting, will you stand to your feet? If you're watching at home and you need a financial miracle, will you just comment so I know who I'm praying for? That's me, Pastor. I'm standing. Father, we thank you for every person standing, every person that is watching online, that has taken this word and this prayer for them. God, we thank you that you are a God of miracles. God, every person right now that is waiting, they are, they are waiting for you to show up and do something miraculous in their life, in their finances. God, I ask that you would help us to see where you are. Where are you in this situation? God, for many of us, we, we've not been able to see you at work. We feel like we're in this alone. So God, we ask for a fresh revelation, a fresh wind from heaven that just speaks peace over our soul while we're in the waiting. God, we trust you and we trust your timing. We trust and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love you. God, we stand in that. We stand in that. We are sons and daughters of the King. We stand in that. So God, we just declare in the name of Jesus that financial breakthrough is coming into the homes of every person standing. God, not just to meet the current need, but to fund the future vision of their homes in the name of Jesus. Yes, I just felt the Holy Spirit all over that. So God, we just, we seal that. We seal that, that breakthrough is not about getting even. Breakthrough is about getting ahead. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.